Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia welcomes you to our weekly time of worship and study of God's Word with Pastor Jesse Wagoner. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because when you're here, you're home. We're continuing our study in the Word today, thinking about refocus and just thinking about the nothing particularly new, but things that we need to uh, remind ourselves of that's going to help us to refocus on our spiritual life and and how we can just put in place some things that are going to help us live a spiritually healthy life. Maybe there's a, a person you have heard of by the name of William Randolph Hearst. In the first half of the 20th century, he was a, magazine, a newspaper publisher and politician. In fact, if, uh, you know, if you don't know who he is, that's why Google and Wikipedia were created. You can figure it out. But um, the, the film Citizen Kane was based on his life, much to William Randolph's uh, disapproval because they thought it shed him in a bad light. But he was very wealthy, and he, he had an obsession with art. He wanted to collect art. In fact, his home out on the coast of California, which is now a tourist attraction, some of you I'm sure have been there and visited it, uh, was filled with art, and he, he just collected it from all over the world. The story is told that one time he called one of his assistants in, and he saw a description of this particular piece of art, and he had to have it for his collection. He says, I don't care what it costs him, how long it takes. Your one job is to find this one piece of art. Something in the neighborhood of 10 months later, he returns to Hearst's office. And he says, uh, good news, I've I found this piece of art. He says, you have to understand, I have, this is all I've done for these last 10 months on, on payroll. I have done research. I have traveled the world. And I, the good news is, I have found this piece of art you've been looking for. He says, great. Where is it? He said, it's in your warehouse in New York. <laughs> he had purchased it, stashed it away, and forgotten that he even had it. Well, we have some treasures that sometimes are hiding in plain sight, and what I share with you is a, a, a precious spiritual treasure that you and I have, and it's available to you. It's nothing particularly new, but I want to take you to that. And it all can be summed up in one simple word, and that is the word ask. Ask. And I want to draw your attention, if you would, to Matthew 7, Matthew 7, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to scroll down in your eyes to verse 8 of this chapter, Matthew 7 and verse 8, and we're just going to see a simple phrase that you're familiar with, and I want to just highlight a portion of it. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Even of that verse, I don't want to talk about knocking and seeking at this particular point. I want to talk about ask. There's a promise there that we will ask, if we ask, we'll receive. I just want to share four simple things about asking this morning, just to remind you and hopefully to embed these things deep in our hearts. Number one, simple, it's right there in the text in front of you. If you ask, you will receive an answer from God. That's a promise. It's, he's, he's taken that responsibility on himself. And what a wonderful resource is. What a wonderful treasure. What a wonderful thing that you and I don't have to search for, but we have access to. That any moment, anywhere, anytime, any issue, any need, Lord, I ask. I come and ask you. Now, there's a few things we need to plug into this just so we understand that. Notice it says, if, we, if you ask, you will receive. You will receive. It does not delineate in that verse that's there in front of you. It does not delineate exactly when that will be delivered. We oftentimes want our answers now, instantly, right in front of me, drop it from heaven, put it in front of me, and we uh, don't get to dictate the when. 
We don't even particularly get a dictate the what. It says you'll receive an answer. But have you ever had this experience, those of you that have raised children? Some of you are in the process of helping to raise grandchildren. You're seeing it again in your life. But uh, sometimes what those children ask for, that you would love to give them, especially if you're a grandparent, because something clicks in your brain and you just, whatever they want, you know. But there is some limitations because what they ask for may not be what is best for them. They may want a sugary chocolate bar five minutes before the dinner hits the table. Maybe that's not the right when. Maybe that's not the right what. But uh, you can receive an answer. So God understands that he reserves the right to give us what we want and when we want it. But you will receive an answer. And I'm not trying to make a negative out of a positive. But sometimes what we need most of all when we ask of God is a no. That's not part of what he wants for us at a particular time. But that should not deter us from the boldness that we have to come and ask God from him. We, uh, the trouble we get into, and we'll see this as we go through a few more verses in this, in this time together, is that we sometimes get our flesh, our will, our nature, our wants, our desires, and we focus exclusively on that, what I would like to have. We can ask. Maybe you've seen the, uh, the musical Fiddler on the Roof, and of course it was made into a film some years ago. And uh, the setting is of a... Uh, uh, a dairy farmer, Jewish dairy farmer, living in what was then the Soviet Union after the communist takeover. And it deals with the political oppression and deals with the hardship that they had at that point, point in, in time. Uh, it deals with the hardship of him trying to marry his daughters off to the right men. But there's one scene in the play where he's, he's sweeping up in his barn, taking care of his animals, and he's having a conversation with God. Sometimes we have this conversation with God. And being a musical, it breaks out in song, right? That's just the way that happens. Just suddenly you break out in song. And the song is, If I Were a Rich Man. And he, he talks to God, you know, if I were a rich man, he talks about all the things in the song. If he, if he was suddenly rich, uh, that he would have. My favorite line in the song, he says, uh, he talks about he'd have a big fine house right in the middle of the town. He says, I'd have one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show, you know. And then he imagines his wife that she'd have all the things that she would order the servants around. He said that she would have a, she would have a fine double chin, he says, and if, she, if he were a rich man. But in the end of the song, he kind of looks up to God in this conversation. He says, Lord, you who made the lion and the lamb, and you determined I am who I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? And he goes, ah, oh, and he goes right back to feeding the animals because that wasn't God's plan. Sometimes we just think, hey, Lord, if you would just dump all the goodies right now on me, I would, just, I would never ask for another thing. I would never need another thing. But I would suspect that most of us, there is a point of wealth beyond which if we had it, it would not be good for us. So God gets to reserve the right. So we ask. Now, I want to take you to James chapter 4 and verse 2. And I'll put it up on the screen if you have trouble turning that quickly. But there's a simple thing, and I won't spend much time on it. It's simply this, that you have to ask. That's what I want to think about. And James 4.2 says this. Now, in the context of James, he's talking about you're struggling over things, people. You're, you're kind of fussing and fighting and wanting and you don't have, and he has and I don't have, and, and all this sort of envy and that sort of thing. And he, he, he enters this conversation in 4.2. He says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. All the things you're struggling with, all the things you're fighting over, all the things that you're wanting to have, you haven't asked. You have to ask. 
Now, I would, I would just imagine, I, I don't, uh, you know, I know me to some degree, and I know you to some degree, but I'm just speculating that probably our biggest problem with asking is that we fail to ask. He says, you have not because you didn't ask. If you just ask, I'm going to supply what you need, maybe not everything that you think you deserve, but I'm going to take care of you. Just ask. Just like any loving person would, would ask. Now, Jesus loves me, this I know. We're thinking about love as far as our relationship with the Lord. Valentine's Day is, is Tuesday. And typically my wife is in the room. Uh, but she had some other responsibilities this morning. But I ordered her something because she asked that she's going to get on Tuesday. And then we have this little Echo thing, this little Amazon Echo thing. So it came and I grabbed the box and I ran it upstairs, hid it in the closet. And she's walking through the house, and there's a little blinky light on the echo thing. And, uh, 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 Alexa, what's my notification? Your blank has arrived. <laughs> now, fortunately, she did not hear it distinctly. She said, what did he say? Ah, don't worry about what, what Alexa said. I didn't want to say it again in case she's somewhere hearing. You know, But she's going to get it because I love her, and she asks. We would do that for anybody we love, wouldn't we? How much more of the God who loves us? We just need to ask. We just need to ask. And if I could do anything, I would like to embed that thought in your mind. Uh, I picked up something a little bit ago. You've heard me talk about this before. But I was over in the, in the Connections Theater next door for the first service, and I picked up these little pieces of paper. That's confetti. Because every, time, every year at Christmas time, as part of the Christmas Kids program, somebody, you can figure out who, this says we need to end the show with shooting confetti cannons. And all this confetti goes up in the air, and it's really cool looking. And then we sweep up all the confetti. And for the next 12 months, all that confetti that's up in all those nooks and crannies and all, those, all that equipment up there, it will fall out as people, you know, make things. And I will clean that up later, don't worry. It just falls out. And I'm, I'm convinced, this is my theory. The last piece of confetti falls out of the rafters over there about November 30th. And then we shoot another dose of confetti up there and we pick it up the whole year. I only say that to say this. If I could get a confetti cannon and just blast this truth into every nook and cranny of your mind and mine to remind you whatever you need, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're dealing with, whatever question you have, whatever burden you're bearing, whatever loss you're feeling, whatever opportunity you need his strength for, whatever, 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 whenever, however, ask. You have not because you ask not. God gives us this wonderful opportunity, and it's right in front of us. Turn, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. John, several times in the Gospels, mentions this subject of asking. Probably John more than any, frankly. In John 14, we're going to go down to verse 13 in chapter 14. John 14, Gospel John 14. And he gives us another thing that we need to understand. Okay, number one, you, if you ask, you'll receive. Number two, you, ha you do have to ask. And then 14, 13 is going to give us a third idea I just want to share with you this morning. He says there in this verse, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be, glorify, may be glorified in the Son. We need to ask in a proper way. And I'm just going to say it this way. We need to ask about his glory and for his glory rather than our own. Jesus says, when you ask, ask as if I were asking. 
Ask from my point of view. Let, let me be the frame of reference for this ask. It's not God is this divine, you know, vending machine and I could have that big fine house right in the middle of the town. We're asking because we want what God wants. We want what Christ wants. We want what would be pleasing Him and glorifying Him. And that's that phrase. And we do that regularly in our prayer. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the Lord's name, Savior's name, however we would say it. And that, that echoes back to this simple thing. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But it's connected to glory. It's connected to what He wants. Part of that requires humility. It requires for us to humble ourselves and to confess that we have needs that we cannot meet. We have questions that we cannot answer. We have work that we do not have strength to do, that we have needs. You remember there's a particular verse in Scripture that tells us that pride was the condemnation of the devil. It's what tripped him up. He believed that he was not only better than everything else God had created, he was co-equal with God and he was going to set out to prove it. And frankly, he's still seeking to prove that every single day. We know it's not true, but that's what he's after. So that pride lifts up. And basically pride says, I don't need God. Now we would never say that publicly. We would never believe that internally. But there are moments when we can slip into this sort of do-it-alone mentality and believe that we can control and we can influence when we need Him desperately in every moment, every aspect of our lives. And that's where the ask comes in, humbly and in, in before the Lord. Uh, I found this quote. This goes all the way back to 1863 from Abraham Lincoln. I want to just read it to you. And by the way, I'm not trying to be partisan at all, uh, but it just says something about our times. Uh, if you can imagine anyone in the public you know, domain of, of our leadership in this world today, whoever that may be, whether they would issue a proclamation that would be titled this, Abraham Lincoln, a proclamation of a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer, 1863. Not just a day of thanksgiving, but a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I want to read what he wrote, and this, is, this was just a good reminder to me to, to come and ask humbly, Lord, in Jesus' name, not for my sake, but for his he writes in 1863, We've been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Powerful. If that was true in 1863, it's certainly powerful in 2023 that we need God. And we need that as land. We need to pray for our nation. That's part of our prayer request that we need to pray. But you know what? The people that should be on the on the vanguard of that, on the point of the spear of humiliation and fasting and praying should be God's people. If it can't start with us, it's not going to start with whoever else is out there. And part of what we need to do is pray. We need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm praying about things that I want you to be glorified in. And I love that quote from, from Lincoln. And it just it speaks to that heart. And I want you to also to do this. I want you to pray for your church. I want you to pray for the ministry of Mount Calvary. We are, we are not optional in this community. 
I mean, we are not essential to this community, but we're not optional because God has desired that we be here, that this church be here for all these decades, that you be part of this church in this present time frame, that we seek to do what God wants us to do. And I would just point you to a resource. If you'd be interested, a resource that may help you pray for your church, it's this little sheet that says prayer walk. There's a whole bunch of them available on the table over here. You can pick one up. I'm going to try to find a way to get this mailed out to you by email this week through our mailing list. It basically just breaks down all the stuff that goes on at church, all the different ministries and the leadership and all that. And it's just a guide for you to pray for your church. And you don't have to pray. It's like four pages. I appreciate Pastor Adam putting this together. You have to pray for everything at one time. Just pray for a little bit each day. Because we want to be a, a church that reflects the name of Christ, that preaches the gospel without compromise, that loves sinner and saint alike and points them all to Jesus. May God help us to do that. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to believe that we are, you know, just so able to do it ourselves. But we need to humbly come before God and say, God, we need you. I also would tell you this. In uh, the 11 plus years that I have had the privilege of being in this spot on Sunday mornings, uh, we, we faced many things over the years. And we've had just questions and things that seem like we're never going to get this sorted out, figured out. Virtually everyone that's sort of on my list of those markers of God's grace, everyone was simply this. We asked, and God answered. God, we ask, and he answers. And we do it for his glory. We do it in his name. We do it for him. We do ask. He simply says this, ask, and you shall receive. That's true as a church. That's true as individuals, true as family. So I want to encourage you in that. So simply this. Ask for his glory, not ours. There's one more, and it's sort of related to what we just were talking about. It's found in the epistle of 1 John, the first letter he wrote, 1 John chapter 5, toward the end of the book. It's uh, actually the verse that uh, Rich read us just a little bit ago as we're preparing to sing that uh, beautiful hymn. 1 John 5, 14. Same author writing, although he was quoting from Jesus last time. Now, this is the confidence. I love that phrase, don't you? This is the surety. This is the hope. This is the reality. You can, you can, you can take this to the bank. You can, put your, you can put this down, all right? This is what we, we, we hang on to. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We need to do this. We need to simply come before Him. Make sure we ask, but we need to ask within the will of God. Now, you might say, well, how do you do that? Because the will of God sometimes seems mysterious and sort of uh, hard to get a, a firm grasp on. It's not quite as apparent as we may like it. Well, I am convinced that most of the will of God is not exactly that hard to find and that we can find it. So we want to pray for things that are within His will. Now, I'd also say this. If you have any doubts, just go ahead and pray and God can sort it out. There's been some things I've prayed for for a long period of time, and I finally become convinced of God that God just wanted me to stop praying that prayer because I became convinced that wasn't part of His will, and okay, Lord, we'll move on, and I'll keep asking. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, you remember the first session in our study on refocus, we talked about the Word of God. We talked about the necessity of being in the Word of God weekly. You are. We talked about the necessity of being in God's Word daily. I hope you are. Because it's the Word of God that will purify our thinking. It's the Word of God that will direct our thoughts. It's the Word of God that will knock off the rough edges. The Word of God that will convict us of what needs to be taken out of our life and what needs to be put in our lives. If we want to pray in God's will, as it says in 1 John 5, 14, 
we need to be people who are people of the Word. Because if the Word says we are to do it, we are to do it. If the Word says we're not to do it, we're not to do it. So much of what God's will is, is just there on black ink on white paper in the Word of God. So we need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. And then we need to use our minds and our hearts and hopefully the Spirit of God who dwells within us to, in those areas where it's not spelled out so clearly, just sort of deduce what the will of God is and let Him lead you along. Within the fellowship of believers, the, the pattern of Christians in general, the, 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 the flow of our heart, our own conscience, what the, what the Spirit of God seems to push us to do or to push us away from. And yes, that's a bit mysterious, but if we come to this verse and say, if we ask anything according to His will, we just have that realization in the background that, Lord, I want Your will to be done. And what better picture do we have than the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? That last song that we sang about in the garden, it, it sort of reflects that a little bit. It's not exactly about that. It's picturing a person communing with God. But Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was betrayed. He knew full well that by 3 p.m. the next day he would be deceased because he died on a Roman cross, would die on a Roman cross. And he prayed, and I don't want to get too much into the, what he's actually praying for, but he is praying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he says the words, and we need to make these our words as we pray, as we ask. And make sure that we are humble enough to say, Lord, I, I want to make sure, based on my understanding of the word of God and my own, you know, you're working in my heart, and I want to pray within your will, and I, I, I leave it there with you, but we need to pray with this sentiment in mind. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Leave it with him. So what's going on in your life? What's, what's changing in your life? What's troubling in your life? What's keeping you awake at night? What brings some tears and quiet moments? What excites you in life about what's next? Some opportunity, some uh, opportunity to serve or to do something for God's glory. It could run the gamut. But I can tell you this. Whatever is going on in your world, God wants to enter into your world and say, ask and you will receive. Ask in the name of Jesus. Make sure you really ask. You have not because you do not ask. And also come to this reality that we say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And I believe that you have. And I believe if you're asking, you are. And I'm very convinced, I'm confident as John is in this text we saw a moment ago. I'm confident if you ask, you're going to receive amazing and great things from God Almighty. The God who loves us to give us what we want and what we need in accordance with His will. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and you have a particular need to ask. And maybe you've not, to, you know, most people that inhabit a church on a Sunday morning are believers and followers of Christ, trying to live for Him. We've trusted in Christ for our salvation. But maybe you're here, and you're on the outside looking in. You never got that settled. That's, a, that's something maybe you're, you feel strangely attracted to, but you've never taken that step of faith. If that's you, why don't you just ask God this in a simple prayer. Lord, make yourself known to me. Show me yourself. Help me to understand. Help me to interact with you. And if we could have a quiet conversation with you after this service, one of us as pastors or another Christian friend that you're with, we'd love to see you come to Christ. In recent days, we've had people come and have that quiet conversation and trust Christ in that moment. And maybe that's what your next step is as well. Just ask for him to open his heart to you. If we could help you in that, just... We're standing ready. It's not going to be a problem to have that conversation with you. We'd love to share with you about the Lord Jesus and what it means to be one of his followers, what it means to be his child. Brother, sister, 
ask. Ask and you will receive. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those promises that are so clear, plain, obvious, and accessible that you want us to ask. Yes, we do need to really ask, not just talk about asking, but ask. We need to ask in Jesus' name, leaving our pride behind, humbling ourselves. We need to pray, Lord, truly for each other. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our land, our country. But Lord, most of all, we pray for your glory, that you would receive the glory. We want to pray in your will. We need your word. We need the spirit to guide us in that. And Lord, we want to pray in a way that is all about you. Thank you that you've given us this wonderful promise. And Lord, it's that which you've sent to refresh us and to guide us and to help us to just see your hand all through our lives. Connect the dot between our asking, your doing, and our praising you for it. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to be people who ask, knowing that we will receive. We give you thanks. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and study brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. If you are in the Charleston area, we would love for you to worship with us in person. For service times and more information, visit our website, calvarywv.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.